We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And because it's almost summer, that means you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. My personal favorites are the Holbrooks, just a clean, classic look. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and do your research. While you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday sunglasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands and can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to Oakley.com for more information today. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live podcast. Welcome in. It is Monday night, 8 o'clock Pacific time. We are live. Going to talk Lakers basketball. Going to talk Lakers rumors. Kyrie, LeBron in Dallas? Yeah, we need to talk a little bit about that one. What a disaster. We'll talk a bit about that. We'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about free agency. We'll talk about whatever else you guys want coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Welcome in to the show. Those of you listening to uh, to the show over on the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, welcome in. Appreciate all of you joining the show after the fact. Make sure you are subscribing in those places and give us that five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. Great way to help out the show. Um Lot to get into, lot to get into. You know, I talked about this uh, a little bit on the front office show earlier today with Keith. I said I, I had a crazy travel day um, coming back from visiting family in South Carolina, and uh, I mean, just one of those no sleep type of days, right? Spending all all day traveling and just exhausted. And I finally get home and sit down and this whole LeBron Kyrie in Dallas nonsense. And that's really what it is. Um, comes out and go figure, right? Right. As I'm just about to crash out, boom, LeBron and Kyrie, this whole thing hits. And 
you just on one hand, on one hand, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm sleep deprived. But on the other, you gotta love the NBA rumor cycle. It just there's always something going on. And by the way, Mike Malone, don't call me Mike, call me Michael. He's got to be at this point just punching walls, right? Because nobody's talking about the finals again. Now, maybe it's better for the Denver Nuggets in this case because they lost game two, but nobody, nobody's talking about this. Um, all right. So let me just address this. Rolando, stop with the LeBron to Dallas fake news. Okay. <laughs> First and foremost, this isn't fake news. This isn't just made up. Now, is it really going to happen? No, no, it's not really going to happen. But that's not, doesn't mean that this is just somebody created this out of nowhere. That doesn't mean that Kyrie and LeBron haven't talked. That doesn't mean the Dallas Mavericks wouldn't be interested in training for LeBron if it was possible. It's not possible, but it doesn't mean that they wouldn't be interested in it. But for our purposes, it also doesn't mean that this information isn't useful. Right. Because what's happening here, what's happening here is these the reporters who put this out, Shams Tarania, Chris Haynes, they're not in the business of making things up. They're not in the business of it's not like Shams and Chris Haynes got together, hopped in each other's DMs and said, hey, let's let's make something up here. Let's make something up with LeBron and Kyrie and put that out there. We're going to get a bunch of clicks from that. That's not when they're what business they're in. In fact, that would ruin the business that they're in. They're in a business that requires a lot of trust with the players that they're talking about, with the players that they're talking to. This is coming from somewhere. This is coming from someone. It's being put out with a purpose. There's a reason why this is being put out there. Now, again, it's not happening. LeBron's not going to, it makes no sense. LeBron's not going to Dallas. So if you want to call it fake news in that sense, sure, by all means, have at it. But this didn't come from out of thin air. There's a purpose to this. There's a reason why this is coming out and why this hit not one, but two newsbreakers at the same time. That tells you this is coming out for a purpose. Someone specifically wanted this information out there. And so, as I always say, when you're looking at this type of thing, you got to ask yourself who benefits? Who benefits? from this information being out there? Who benefits from this whole situation? Well, it's certainly not the Lakers. So we know, look, the Lakers, it's not their side. Not their side. Now, I've heard, it's not coming from LeBron. This isn't LeBron doing this. This isn't LeBron putting this out there to try to like influence the Lakers to go get Kyrie or something like that. No, that's not what's happening here. This isn't from LeBron's side of things. So with that being said, what this is, it's probably coming from the Mavs, probably coming from Kyrie, coming from that side. Why? What's the purpose? Honestly, I think it's a little bit of revenge here. I talked about this a little bit over on the front office show. I think what this is, and this is my informed take, if we want to put it in that way, I think what we're having happen here is... It rubs teams the wrong way when they're constantly hearing, oh, this player's going to go to the Lakers. That player's going to go join up with LeBron with the Lakers. If you're the Mavs, you probably don't want that kind of information out there. You probably don't want that sentiment 
out there. It's probably a little bit annoying. So what's the way to combat that? Well, it's to fire back, right? Kyrie wouldn't leave the Mavs to go sign up with the Lakers. They're not. And look, the Lakers went to the Western Conference Finals. The Mavs were a lottery team. But nonetheless, they're saying, you know, they're not that much better than we are. Why would Kyrie jump ship to go join them? In fact, let's go the other way. Let's go the other way. In fact, LeBron is probably going to come join up with us because we've got Luka, we've got Kyrie, and we can make a big three right here in Dallas. doesn't need to be in L.A. This is just a little bit of revenge, right? Pushing back against the notion that everybody wants to go to the Lakers. The Mavs proving the point that, hey, we can get players too. We can create that kind of tension too. There's that to it. There's also part of this that is probably, and this is Mark Stein echoed this sentiment, and this goes along with what I've been hearing, that this is also Kyrie pushing back against the idea that he really wants to go to the Lakers. That's all he's been hearing is he wants to go to the Lakers. This is partially Kyrie pushing back and saying, no, I like I want to be in Dallas. In fact, maybe I'd try to convince LeBron to go to Dallas. Not that he thinks LeBron's actually going to go to Dallas, but just as a way to demonstrate, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving, right? And the final piece to this is also, hey, I'm not going to take a pay cut to go sign up with the Lakers. You know, that's something that a lot of people look at when they're putting out. I'm getting every single day people breaking down salary cap sheets and saying, look, 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 it can totally work. Kyrie to the Lakers can totally work. And they've got Kyrie making like $30 million on these salary sheets. Doesn't work that way. Not going to happen. He's not going to take that big of a pay cut to come join the Lakers. I know from our perspective, it's easy because from our perspective, 45 million, 30 million, what, what's the difference, right? That's more money than most of us are ever going to see. So it's easy from the fan perspective to just say, oh, of course, I'll take 30 million, come play for the Lakers. Why not, right? It's not going to happen. It's not going to take this big pay cut to go join the Lakers, and I think that's part of this too. It's making sure that that Kyrie knows that or Kyrie puts out there that look, I'm not going to take a big pay cut. I'm going to go with the team that's that can pay me, and that's the Dallas Mavericks. That's the team that can pay Kyrie. So we look at who benefits, what's really being put out there. Again, I think it's twofold. I think it's kind of pushing back against hey, the Lakers are going to get everybody and trying to turn the tables on them. I'm like, oh no, hey. We're going to take the Lakers guy. The Lakers aren't going to take our guy. We're going to take the Lakers guy. It's not really going to happen, but they want that sentiment out there. And on top of that, Kyrie making it known that, hey, I'm not hell-bent on joining the Lakers. I'm certainly not taking a pay cut to go and make that happen. I think that's what all of this was about. So when you look at situations like this, you got to read between the lines. Who benefits? Why would this information be out there? And moreover... Who's hurt by this? Who would not be putting this information out? Certainly not the Lakers. Certainly not LeBron. They're not putting this out there. There'd be no reason for them to do that. So this whole rumor of LeBron to Dallas, it doesn't make much sense, but it doesn't mean that there wasn't a purpose for it. It doesn't mean that there wasn't a reason behind it, a reason why this took place. And this is pretty typical things that happen in the NBA, things that happen behind the scenes. We hear little tidbits, little things here and there that come out sometimes, not all the time. It's not always the game within the game. Sometimes stuff comes out just because stuff comes out. But sometimes stuff comes out with a purpose. Stuff comes out for a reason. And I think that was the case here. 
with what's going on with this whole LeBron to Dallas thing. Look, Chris Haynes, he deleted the tweet since, but mentioned that the Mavs were going to try to put together an offer for LeBron last season. LeBron wasn't even trade eligible last season, but it's all just trying to like, you know, yeah, the Lakers were so bad. The Mavs were even considering making a trade offer, you know, because they were going to try to try to poach LeBron to try to get him out of LA because the Lakers just were falling to pieces. And again, it's just kind of piling on the lake, sticking it to the Lakers and trying to turn the table on them. That's a big piece to this whole thing. But the bottom line for our purposes, it's not happening. LeBron's not going to the Mavs. The only way it's going to happen. In fact, that, that little bit about the buyout too, probably part of that, right? You guys remember way back in the day when Mark Cuban put out there, maybe the Lakers should amnesty Kobe. And then Kobe went berserk on the Mavs and said, amnesty that. Remember all that whole thing? Um, yeah. It's kind of along those lines, right? Like, well, you know, the best path might, the Lakers might just need to buy out LeBron. What team that just went to the Western Conference Finals is going to buy out a superstar caliber player as though the Lakers are sitting as like the 15th seed and have no chance at making any kind of headway towards the playoffs or anything like that. That's Those are the kinds of teams that, that like buy out players at this point. But again, that's just kind of like taking a little extra shot at the Lakers and this and trying to turn the tables on the whole situation. So that's what I think is really going on there and what's happening with that situation. Um, again, it's not going to happen. If it were to happen, if, if LeBron were to somehow make his way to Dallas, it would be in 2024. He's got a player option in 2024. He can opt out. In theory, he can go sign with whatever team he wants. Now, maybe he decides he wants to stay with the Lakers. Maybe Bronny gets drafted by somebody and he says, you know what? I'm going to go sign with whatever team has Bronny. My goodness, is that going to be a fascinating NBA draft if that gets out, that LeBron's going to sign with whatever team drafts Bronny? <laughs> what happens to Bronny's draft stock? How high does Bronny get drafted if that happens? That would be interesting to see. But nonetheless, LeBron is under contract with the Lakers for this season. Just looking at it factually, beyond just the rumors and everything, what do we know? LeBron has a contract with the Lakers for next season, period. He is under contract with the Lakers 2024, next summer, he has a player option. Anthony Davis also has a player option. If LeBron decides he wants to opt out of that option, he could opt out and he could sign a brand new deal with the Lakers if he wanted to. He could also opt out and go somewhere else. He could also decide, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to retire. He could do any number of things. But for this coming season, he is under contract with the Lakers, and I don't think he's playing anywhere else but the Lakers. This whole Dallas thing again, it's a lot of other stuff and not really, hey, LeBron's actually going to Dallas. Um, my final thing, Bronny just got into USC. We've seen for years and years, right? Decades. How much family means to LeBron. Do we really think that right now with Bronny just getting into USC, he's going to be playing college ball in Southern California right now is when LeBron's going to want to leave LA? No. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And there's a lot of reason for that. All right. Now, all of that aside, we've got a lot to still get into. We got to talk about the draft. We got to talk about free agency. And I've got a lot of questions and comments coming in here. So let's start here. Shin said, is Bogdanovich still a viable piece we can trade for? So Bojan Bogdanovich, um, I think it would behoove the Pistons to move him 
if they can get the right offer. And I said the same thing at the trade deadline. Boyan Bogdanovich is 34 years old. He's under contract this season, this coming season, 2023-2024, for $20 million. The next season, he's under contract 2024-2025 for $19 million, but that's not all guaranteed. So it's a pretty team-friendly salary that he's got here. Uh, but at 34 years old, he just had a phenomenal season. I mean, one of the one of his best seasons shot 41% from deep. So he's 33 over the bulk of the season, turned 34 in April. Okay, so after the playoffs started, uh, the Pistons season was over. But 22 points per game, four boards, three assists, fantastic percentages. 49% from the field, 41% from three. Look, teams would love to have that kind of production. Is he still a player that the Lakers could go get? I think so. Now, I, I think the Pistons, and now they've got uh, Monty Williams, they're going to want to try to win. In fact, their plan for this past season was to try to win. It wasn't to tank. It wasn't to have the worst record in the NBA. And boy, oh boy, did they have some bad luck on draft night, going from the worst record in the NBA to having the fifth pick in the NBA draft when there is a generational talent at number one. And they fall all the way to it was the literally the worst thing that could happen to them on draft night. That was the worst possible outcome was that they would finish with the fifth pick. And that's exactly what they got. But nonetheless, Detroit, I think they are going to try to win. That was their plan this last season. I think that's going to be their plan this coming season. That said, there's no getting around the fact that when they're ready to really win, and I mean, really make a put like we're going to go try to make the jump from being to being a solid playoff team. And then you're going to later make the jump to being a contender, they might be able to jump to fringe playoff team this season. But by the time they're really ready to win, Bogdanovich is probably done, right? He's 34 right now. He just had a fantastic season. In fact, if you had to bet on him duplicating last season, this coming season, well, that probably wouldn't be a very smart bet because at some point, father time is going to catch up. We know that. We know that. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't be a big asset for a team. So should the Lakers try to trade for him? Well, they certainly can. They can try. I think the Pistons will want a lot. So the question becomes, are you willing to give up what the Pistons would want in order to get him? Probably talking the 17th pick. I mean, that's what they wanted, right? The Pistons wanted, we're talking first round picks, plural, last year. Picks, that's what they wanted. Um, on top of that, you've got to put in some salary matching. So are we talking about Malik Beasley for Bogdanovich um, plus the 17th pick? And remember, you're bringing in $20 million in salary. The Lakers are going to be very, very close with their cap numbers. So if you're adding, like, I'm looking at Beasley and Bamba and thinking neither one probably gets brought back. At most one of them, I don't see a way both get brought back. Okay, Bamba has 10.3 million non-guaranteed for next season. Malik Beasley, 16.5 million team option for next season. So I don't think both get brought back. I think most likely both are let go. Now, you could re-sign them to cheaper deals, so it's possible they're back in that sense. But on their current contracts, with the new super tax, as we're calling it, in place, I don't think they get brought back. So if you're going to flip, say, Malik Beasley and the 17th pick and turn that into Bojan Bogdanovic, who's a, a great player, uh, or I should say very good player, if you're going to do that, you're taking on salary that you probably were planning on not being on your books. So there's going to be a domino effect. 
And it's going to depend on what else is happening on the rest of your roster. It's going to depend on what's happening with Rui Hachimura. How much does he cost? D'Angelo Russell, do you want to bring him back? What's the price to do that? Do you want to have your mid-level exception to use? Are you okay with just having the taxpayer mid-level, right? Your mid-level exception is going to be $12.2 million. Your taxpayer is going to be just $5 million this coming season. So those are questions. The biannual exception, which you could use both your mid-level and your biannual exception, which the biannual is going to be about $4.5 million. So you've got some other tools that might, might be negated. So for example, if you're the Lakers, and I know this is a long-winded answer to a very short question, but if you're the Lakers and you're looking at this trade that we're theoretically talking about, Boyan Bogdanovich to the Lakers for, let's say it's Malik Beasley and the 17th pick. It's not really just that because your opportunity cost may also be your full mid-level exception. So it could be really in terms of what the how the Lakers have to evaluate this. They would have to look at it as your 17th pick, Malik Beasley, Okay, or taking on the salary, right? Plus, plus your mid-level exception might go away. Your mid-level exception might get turned into a taxpayer mid-level. Might go away completely if we start getting into super tax territory. Remember, we're going to have, if you use the mid-level exception, you are hard capped at $169 million. So if you're going to be over that, well, you can't use your mid-level exception anymore. If you're adding Boyan Bogdanovich's $20 million in salary, makes it all the more likely once you add in Rui, however much he makes, Austin's deal, right? You start adding those up. Well, next thing you know, you're running out of room very, very quickly. So again, it's not just 17 Beasley for Bogdanovich. You also have to factor in the opportunity cost. You might lose the ability to use that full mid-level exception and the player that you could get with that. Maybe it's Nas Reed, right? Maybe there's some other guys that, that you want, that you really want to look at um, with that money. So, all of those things have to, be, have to be factored in. Bottom line, if I'm the Lakers, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it if I'm the Lakers. I like Bogdanovich a lot. I think he'd be a great fit. I think he'd be a wonderful addition. I think they would win more games this season with him. I like <laughs> I like this draft. I think there's some really good players at 17. I'm putting a lot of value on that pick, and I'm not moving them in, in this deal, particularly if it costs me my mid-level exception to do it. All right. Again, long-winded answer there, but I wanted to make sure we fully addressed the question and so we could really see how the team has to look at this, how the team has to look at these roster moves, particularly if you're... We're going to see, I think, a lot of people suggesting Mo Bamba's contract, Malik Beasley's contract going out, but you have to factor in that there's going to be salary coming back that you then have to account for that might mean no mid-level exception for you, could mean no taxpayer mid-level exception, could mean no biannual. It depends on what else is being spent. Okay, it depends on what Rui gets. D'Lo, does he come back? What does he get? Uh, Reeves' contract kicks in. All of these different things are going to add up. Lonnie Walker, are you going to bring him back? By the way, I kind of think they should. Kind of think they should. Reeve, if Denver won last night and the media was talking about Kyrie recruiting LeBron instead of the Nuggets when Mike Malone would be so mad, I think he's probably already mad. But yes, agreed. Agreed. He would be. Um, he would be. <laughs> it's... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't, it's... If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Like, are the Lakers just trolling the Nuggets at this point? I saw Mike Malone had some little comments about the Lakers uh, recently, but is this kind of like a a little secret war that they're having right now? a cold war, I guess would be the more appropriate term. I didn't want to go, didn't mean to go Marvel there, but a Polinar said Shams and Haynes got taken for a ride. Uh, again, I, I won't say they got taken, taken like this is part of the gig, right? When you're hearing stuff from somebody like you're, you're, that's what you're putting out there. But clearly they both got the same information and that information was given to them for a specific reason. Andrew, uh, can't join as much because I'm in Korea for the summer. Oh, well, hope you have fun there, Andrew. Uh, but still enjoying the show from here. We need to get a shooter next season. Miami example. How are we feeling about Buffkins, Hawkins, Bilal? So uh, I agree with you as far as the shooter. It's really important, though, that that shooter is at least able to be an average defender. Like we saw Malik Beasley. When the shot wasn't falling, you couldn't put him on the floor because you couldn't defend anybody. And so whoever you get, just shooting naturally, it's going to be a non-sticky stat, right? It's There's going to be ebbs and flows to it. That's just kind of the way shooting goes um the top top level guys okay you know you get you get a guy who's shooting uh, like kcp was great this season you know if he slumps he's shooting what like 39 percent. oh bummer he's still a great three-point shooter but if, when you get a guy who's like a 38 percent shooter from three and a slump means he's a 34 percent shooter that's a big deal that's a big deal so you need that shooter to be able to also defend so it's worth it to have them out there on the floor so that they're not a net negative for you. So that's the key. And that's difficult to find. That's not easy. But yes, I think the Lakers do need shooting. How are we feeling about um, about Buffkin, Hawkins, Bilal? Um, really good. Really good. Really good. Man, there's some talent. There's some talent. Now, Bilal Koulibaly, he was uh, really good playing uh, for... 
I mean, Metropolitans 92 that we tend to think of them just as, as uh Wemby Yama's team, team Wemby. Um, he's been really good. I don't think he's going to last to 17 for the Lakers pick. Kobe Bufkin though, Jordan Hawkins. If either one of those guys fall, you'd be, I'd be pretty excited. I'd be pretty excited to see either one of those guys there for the Lakers. And I think there's a pretty decent chance that at least one of them will be. And there's other guys too, to add to this list. I mean, case in Wallace, I've seen mocks where he's falling to the Lakers. Oh, what a fit that would be. I think there's going to be some opportunities here for the Lakers to get somebody pretty darn good at, at 17. And if I'm the Lakers, I'm approaching trade negotiations with that in mind. Like you're going to have to give up something really good to get the 17th pick from us. Um, yeah, I like these guys. I, I like the guys in this draft. I think there's a lot of talent here. I think there's a lot of guys who fit Hawkins in particular was, I mean, just an easy, easy fit with this Lakers team. Now, look, it's an inexact science. The Lakers have been great drafting players. It's been one of the things that they've been, they've been consistently good at, especially finding talent later on in the draft. They've done a great job. Even they don't bat a thousand, right? I mean, they look, we can say it's Magic Johnson, but they took Lonzo Ball over Jason Tatum. We could talk about the Mo Wagner pick over Mitchell Robinson. I wanted Mitchell Robinson in that draft. The Lakers took Mo Wagner. But in general, the Lakers have done a very, very good job. It's Again, it's an inexact science. You never know what a guy's really going to be when they eventually get there, um, how they're going to react to being a pro, what their work ethic is going to be. I'm not saying Mo Wagner has a poor work ethic at all. I'm not trying to say that, but there, I'm just saying there's some intangibles that you just you can't you can work out a guy you can meet with them you can sit with them you can do all these things you can do everything you can hope to do and there's intangibles that you that may ultimately determine their success or, or failure so by no means is the 17th pick a lock so in that sense if the lakers know hey we've got an offer out here for a game changing starter for 17 you absolutely listen you have to as much as we look buffkin hawkins Bilal Koulibaly, look, there's a number of guys that I'd be thrilled to see wind up with the Lakers. But we still don't know. You don't know for sure. So if an opportunity is there to get somebody where you say, this guy slides right into our starting lineup, this guy puts us over the top in the Western Conference, yeah, you got to listen to that and you got to really consider it. But if it's, hey, here's a guy that can do something on the end of your bench, that maybe isn't playable in the postseason, that that can be, you know, your eighth or ninth guy, and that's what you're getting offered. No, forget it. You'd rather bank on some of the upside of these younger players. I'm really excited about this draft, guys. I really am. Senpai said, LeBron's not going anywhere. Nobody with that much money is leaving Los Angeles, California for Dallas, Texas. Mavs seem like they got issues to handle. Yeah, very simple way to look at it. Right? Are you really, if you're LeBron, are you really leaving LA to go to Dallas? No, of course not. It's silly. Um, again, it's not to disparage the Mavs or disparage Dallas at all, but just from LeBron's perspective, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for that to be the case. Eddie, Lakers are not serious about extending AD, are they? I think they should rebuild after next year, assuming Bron doesn't opt in to his final year ship ran its course well are we sure anthony davis is going to opt in to his final year he might not um as far as an extension with ad goes 
I, I think you probably do it. Now, that's simply because I don't think that you want Anthony Davis to walk away for nothing, right? That's not ideal. That he opts out of his player option next year and then just says, see ya. LeBron might opt out and then retire. It's a different story. LeBron could also opt out and just go follow Bronny for one year and that's it. Again, different story. Anthony Davis is a guy that you don't want to just let walk away. And we could talk about cap space and so we could talk about rebuilding. And here's the, the thing. I think that, see, sometimes just as human beings, what we do is we minimize the feeling of pain. Now, if it's an extreme pain, if it's an extraordinary pain, it's a little bit of a different story, right? You suffer a horrific injury. You go, oh my gosh, that hurt so, so badly. But when it is kind of like a constant dull pain, you tend to downplay how it really felt. For me, what I always think of is tattoos, right? When you're getting tattooed, you're in the in the midst of it. You're going, man, this sucks. <laughs> this does not feel good. A few months later, though, you're talking yourself into getting another one. Trust me, that's what you do. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh, it wasn't really that bad. And then as soon as that needle touches your skin again, you're like, oh, yeah, this does actually really hurt. Um, rebuilding is kind of that way. We look at rebuilding and we think, oh, this is going to be, look, we're going to have all the young talent. This is going to be fantastic. And we're going to build, we're going to build the next dynasty, right? Trust the process. Well, easier said than done. Easier said than done. Rebuilding, it's not easy. Remember we had 17 win seasons or a 17 win season. Remember we were praying for ping pong balls to bounce our way. Remember hoping that Brandon Ingram was going to pop and that was going to lead the Lakers into the next next generation, that D'Angelo Russell, that Lonzo Ball was going to be it, that was going to take the Lakers over the top, was going to bring them back to the postseason, hoping and praying that these guys would develop sooner rather than later because the Lakers are losing and losing and losing and losing. And all the stories are about how the mighty have fallen. Rebuilding is not pretty. It's not pretty. Wouldn't you rather, if you're going to rebuild, wouldn't you rather do it with one star-level player already in-house if you can keep Anthony Davis? Now, I know we can look at him. We can say, well, you know, he's injury-prone and, and all of that, but I think he's also arguably the best defensive player in the NBA. I think we saw that in these playoffs. I mean, look, he was on the floor with the defensive player of the year and Jaron Jackson Jr., and it was not close. Anthony Davis was a completely different animal defensively than Jaron Jackson Jr., than the defensive player of the year. He's incredible. Now, again, you can't count on him to be healthy all the time. It's a factor with him. But I think you'd rather start from a place of, hey, we've got AD surrounded by Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura, and maybe it's Kobe Bufkin, maybe it's Jordan Hawkins, maybe it's whoever you're going to get in the draft. You're going to have some other pieces that, that you're going to keep along. Who knows? Maybe Max Christie, who I'm keeping a real close eye on this year. I think he's got a big opportunity coming up. You get him in the mix. You've got all these guys that you're building upon. Wouldn't it be better to start from a place of we already have one star in-house and let's see if we can develop another. Let's see if we can go get another rather than burn the whole thing to the ground and let's build from there. Wouldn't you rather already have a little bit of foundation in place? If nothing else, even if Anthony Davis says, yeah, you know what? 
post LeBron, I don't think this is going to work. I really want to, you know, I'm 31, 32 now. I think I need to go over to a, a team that's ready to win now. Okay, great. Let's get a ton of assets for him. I don't think you want to let him just walk away if you're the Lakers. So as far as extending AD, yeah, I think you extend him. If Anthony Davis says, hey, I want to talk contract extension, you say, yes, please. Let's do that. Let's do that. You, you don't say, AD says, let's talk contract extension. You don't say, well, I don't know, AD. You know, maybe we're not that interested. Okay, okay, he's gone. He's He's not picking up that player option in 2024 and he walks away and you get nothing. That's not the path that you want to take. In my mind. Again, you can make the argument. Burn it down to zero. Start from the ground up. Tank for draft picks and all that. But also say this. If Anthony Davis wants an extension and the Lakers don't do that extension, the party that New Orleans is going to throw at that point will rival Mardi Gras. If the Pelicans, who have the ability to kick the Lakers' pick that they get from 2024 to 2025, know that LeBron and AD are now walking away in the summer of 2024, we're talking about handing a lottery pick, maybe a very high lottery pick in 2025 to the Pelicans. That's another piece to this that you have to keep in mind. It is difficult to rebuild when you don't have full control of your draft capital. All right, as usual. I've talked too long on that topic. Karl Marx said, my ideal scenario is re-sign Rui and HBK and trade down 17 and Malik for 26 and healed. Okay. So again, same scenario. There might be an opportunity cost there. Again, it depends. So many different pieces that come into play with this Lakers offseason. So many different um, variables. But depending on what happens with D'Lo, depends on what happens with uh, with Rui, depends on what happens with all these other guys, right? But could potentially be an opportunity cost where you can no longer use your mid-level exception. Not for sure, but just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, if you're going to get rid of a player like Malik, who the Lakers can just say, nope, we're not picking up your option. And he's off the books and you're adding 20 million. Heald makes 20 million next season on the books. But 17 and Malik for 26 and Heald. Trade 26 and Mobamba for Caruso. Okay, so really we're talking a three-team trade here. We're talking a three-team trade. So 26 and Mo Bama goes to the Bulls. 17 and Malik Beasley is going to the Pacers and Buddy Heald and Alex Caruso go to the Lakers. But again, that's $30 million in salary that you're adding. You got about $9 million for Caruso. You got about another $20 million for Buddy Heald. That's $30 million in salary. Goodbye, mid-level exception. And maybe that's fine, right? Buddy Heald, Caruso, at the very least, rotation-level players. Maybe you say, you know what? We're good. We get these guys. We're good. But just something you have to factor in. Um, let Dela walk. Taxpayer mid. Well, again, I, you may have that taxpayer mid, but that's $5 million to sign a wing. I don't know if $5 million is enough to get a wing. Maybe it's Lonnie you can get for that. Maybe. Even that, I don't know. Two veteran minimum centers don't have to play heavy minutes. So I'll say this. Last summer, I talked a lot about how the veteran minimum center market, the guys that you can just pick up, was pretty deep. This year, it's not as deep. There's not that many centers that you look at and say, hey, you know, that guy could really fit, or that that's a good guy to turn to. There's going to be guys out there 
but it's a little bit more slim pickings. So it's not quite as much of a certainty that you're going to find a player who can play even you know five, 10 minutes a night from that center spot, depending on what other teams are doing at the center position as well. But overall, I don't, I don't hate this idea. I personally, again, I think with the opportunity cost of losing your mid-level, you know, you're, you're saying goodbye to Lonnie. You're probably saying goodbye to Dennis. Again, depends on what's happening with some other players here, but it's not bad, right? You're rolling the next season. You've got your perimeter defense helped out a bunch with Caruso. You've got your shooting helped out a bunch with Buddy Heald. The other thing to consider though is Buddy Heald is a volume three-point shooter. You're counting on that shot to keep falling. If it doesn't, he's just as unplayable as Beasley was, right? You're not going to play him if the shot's not falling. Now, Buddy is a better shooter than, than Malik Beasley, so you'd have to hope, but that Lakers tax seems to weigh down shooting percentages. So something to, to consider as well. Overall, though, I don't, I don't hate it. Again, you're adding a couple of pieces that can really help you right now. I could be... We can all get seduced by potential, right? I'm going to have a hard time giving up that 17th pick. I'm going to have a tough time giving up that pick because in this situation, you're getting two rotation players in Caruso and Heald, arguably starters in Caruso and Heald. And I still don't feel great about parting with that 17th pick. Um, Particularly knowing that it's going to cost you other roster building opportunities down the road. But ultimately, you know, push comes to shove. I think I'd probably do it. I think I'd probably do it if I can get those guys. But uh, again, man, I'm interested to see what the Lakers can get at 17. Andrew says, people are down on D'Lo, but if Beasley made his shots, we would be in the finals. He was the biggest letdown in the trades. Um, Was he? Biggest letdown? I mean, D'Lo was paid as the what third highest play, uh, players, highest player. He's the former all-star of the group. He's the guy that you would expect to be able to handle the spotlight. And he didn't. Didn't handle the spotlight of the Western Conference Finals well at all. Now, again, he thought he had some big moments against Gold State, had some big moments against Memphis. I do agree that people are too down on D'Angelo Russell. That said, he was really, really, really bad when the Lakers needed it. I mean, that whole series could be different. The outcome could have changed if you just got an average performance out of D'Angelo Russell. Just average. And the outcome of the series could have changed. Now, again, Denver, I thought, was the better team. I don't think there was some fluke that they advanced. They were great. And yeah, but these were also pretty close games. You get a few shots here and there out of D'Angelo Russell. That could very easily flip the outcome of at least a few of those games. So I don't know. That, I'll, that I would say that Beasley was the biggest letdown. He's the letdown in that the Lakers, it was yet another player the Lakers brought in to be a shooter. And lo and behold, his shooting percentages plummet as soon as he becomes a Laker. He suddenly can't hit anything. And so that's frustrating in that sense. But D'Lo, given the volume of the moment, how loud the moment was in the Western Conference Finals, I think that's probably the biggest letdown of the new guys who came in. That's me personally, though. Uh, charismatic character. How about getting Gabe Vincent of the Miami Heat? Well, yeah, that's where you're going to need that full mid-level exception. I, and I, that may not be enough to get him, but you're going to need it. You're not getting him for the taxpayer mid-level. You're not getting him for $5 million. That's certainly not happening. So if you're going to have any shot at him, you would need your full mid-level to do it. And that's where, it, when we're talking about, okay, is it the 17 pick? 
Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba for Alex Caruso and Buddy Heald. You go, okay, well, that's not so bad. All right, but then add that mid-level in, right? Then it becomes 17, Gabe Vinson in this scenario, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, right? The cap space from those contracts um, or the, the room from those contracts for Buddy Heald and Alex Caruso. Suddenly doesn't look quite as good. Now, no guarantee that you can get Gabe Vincent with that mid-level. You have to know who is it we can get with this mid-level. And that's on Rob. That's on the Lakers front office to be doing that communicating behind the scenes and kind of have a sense of who's a realistic target with, with this money. Uh, flight team. Can we break up the mid-level exception for two players? Sure can. Yeah. Yeah, that $12.2 million, you can break it up and, uh, and give it to multiple players if you'd like. Could definitely do that. Uh, Meech said, just dropping in to show love. Well, thank you, Meech. Truly appreciate that. Said, love Lakers Nation. Trevor is the LeBron of Lakers Nation. Well, thank you very much. I truly, truly do appreciate the kind words there, Meech. And thank you again for, for dropping in. Uh, Esham said, I can see the Pacers, Spurs, and Jazz going big for Reeves, 100 million. So that would be his max that somebody can offer him. Uh, I think it's really like 98-ish. But all of these, all the numbers we're talking about, like the 12.2 million for the mid-level, these all could shift a little bit. We don't know, like they're not going to shift a ton. It's not like the mid-level is suddenly going to be 15 million or something, but the numbers aren't all official. They're not going to be official till right before the, the league calendar flips over to next season, which happens um, midway through the day on June 30th. Uh, July 1st typically is the kickoff of the next season, but they moved back the start of free agency just a little bit. So free agency doesn't start at midnight anymore. But in any event, somebody could offer Reeves that much money. It's possible. It's possible. Um, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I think the Lakers are keeping Austin Reeves. I think they're keeping him no matter what. And I would be surprised if somebody offered him that much money. Not saying he's not deserving of it. I just, I would be surprised if somebody came with an offer that strong. Now, four years, 70, four years, 75. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me if like Houston, jumped in with four years, 75 San Antonio jumped in with an offer like that. And then the Lakers have to match would not shock me at all, but um, Spurs jazz Pacers. Sure. Yeah, they, they could. Uh, I don't think the Lakers are going to be deterred from keeping Austin. I buy it. And look, it makes all the sense in the world for them to put out there right now. We're not letting him go. We're matching any offer, right? Even if that's not the truth, they should be putting that out there into the universe so that teams will be dissuaded from even why bother writing up the contract if you're not going to get the guy anyway, right? Um, but I really don't think the Lakers are going to lose Austin. I don't think they're going to let him go, especially in the wake of what happened with, with Caruso. Uh, flight team, my offseason. Oh, boy. This this reminds me. This week, I'm going to do the first of my ideal offseason videos where I break down what an ideal offseason would look like for the Lakers, what moves they would make, what they would do, what the end result would be uh, when the dust settled. I can't wait. I can't wait. I've already got some ideas percolating up here. Uh, flight team, my offseason, D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Rui are the top re-signings. Okay. LeBron, AD, Vando, Christie, stay. Yep. Both rookies on the team. So the 17th pick and the 47th pick, which is what the Lakers have to work to, uh, work with. Break up the mid-level exception with Dennis... And Lyles, 
All right, I like it. Trey Lyles, that's a, a pretty underrated, I think, addition there. Biannual to Drummond. Uh, Drummond actually has another year on his Bulls contract. So he's not a, a free agent. But otherwise, that wouldn't be a bad potential target there. But uh, yeah, he's still under contract with the Bulls. So breaking up the mid-level exception between Dennis Schroeder and Trey Lyles, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. It's not quite the splash that like you go get Gabe Vincent or something like that would be, um, or even a Max Struess or uh, Nas Reed or something like Not quite the big splash where they're going to change the way you play the game or anything, but solid rotation pieces, right? Flight team. I would let Mo, Malik, and Lonnie walk. Too pricey. So I agree with the first two. I don't know. If, I don't think I agree on Lonnie. And again, it depends on the numbers. And there's so many different numbers for us to break down. But Lonnie Walker, I believe it's $7.8 million they can offer him using his non-bird rights. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think that's just fine. Like, and I think that's probably about what his value is or is going to be. I think with Lonnie, it's going to come down to, does he want to be a Laker, right? They benched him, right? It was, it's a contract year and they benched him. Like this is, his, he's got to prove himself. His next contract is on the line. His livelihood is on the line and the Lakers benched him. Now that said, when he got his opportunity and we talked about it, we sang his praises. When the opportunity presented itself, game four against the Warriors, boy, did Lonnie stay ready. Boy, did he take advantage of it. And all the credit in the world to Lonnie Walker. Amazing stuff from him. But what are the Lakers telling him this offseason? Are they telling him, you know, Lonnie, we can't guarantee you minutes? Or are they telling him, Lonnie, next season we're going in and you're our guy? Next season, you're a rotation player. We can't guarantee you a starting job, but you're going to be our guy. And then does another team come along and say, Lonnie, we've got a starting job for you? Because that's probably what's going to matter most here to Lonnie Walker. It's what's the role? What's the role? Um, because that's probably what's going to matter. It's not like he's getting a big, I would be shocked anyway, if he got like a big four-year, 50 million offer or something like that from somebody. I'd be very surprised if Lonnie got that. But if he can get a solid role with somebody this coming season and get seven to eight million or whatever it is, five to eight million, somewhere in that range. If he can get that from somebody this season, next summer, he could get that four-year 50 million we're talking about. So how much he's going to play is going to matter a lot to Lonnie Walker. And 
I don't know how the Lakers are going to present that to him. But if it's seven point whatever, seven point eight million dollars, I don't think that's a bad value for what Lonnie gives you. Now again, the question becomes: Does adding that salary in take away your mid level? Does it take away some other options? That's something you have absolutely have to weigh. But if you can fit it in without ruining your other plans, I think Lonnie is just fine on that contract. Uh, Joseph, can you do another video about the Lakers cap if they add Kyrie or even some roster builds via free agency? Uh, you would do like you did last offseason. Yep, uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago, I am going to do that uh, this week. There's going to be some ideal offseason roster builds that's coming, and we're going to start diving into all those. As far as uh, if they add Kyrie, essentially look at it this way. If the Lakers, whether they sign and trade for Kyrie Irving, which is the most likely path to getting there, um, again, it's very unlikely in general that the Lakers can get Kyrie. But even if they were to sign him in free agency, Kyrie were to take less money, which I think part of today's news uh, suggested that Kyrie's not going to take less money. But either way you go, most likely your team is going to be LeBron, AD, Kyrie, Austin, because he only has a $2 million cap hold. And then maybe you can keep Max. Max Christie, and then probably veteran minimums for the rest of your roster. Probably. Now, there, I've seen some builds where you can you know, find a way to fit in like Jared Vanderbilt or something like that. But your depth is, is pretty much shot. You're not going to be using your mid-level exception. Forget that. Most of your, your exceptions, your biannual exception, that's going to be gone. You've got, you've got no cap space to go spend. Your, your team is mostly going to be LeBron, AD, Kyrie. You can fit in maybe a rotation player or two. Uh, from the previous roster, and then veteran minimums. That's the rest of your roster. That's essentially everything that you're going to look at with a Kyrie Irving roster build that features him with AD, with LeBron. Essentially, the new CBA makes it all but impossible to really build out a roster with three like true max-level stars. Now, if you have a superstar-level player that's not on a superstar-level contract, not on a max contract, it's a different story. But the big three roster build, it's going to be very, very difficult to to do with the new as we're calling it super tax in place and it goes beyond i've had people telling me well genie just needs to not be cheap just if, if, if there's a super tax just pay it who cares the owners were really smart about this um it's not just a matter of hey are you willing to pay it and they know that right like public perception if it's just hey there's more of a tax fans are all going to say well pay it because it's not their money but if it's our team can't build out a roster anymore because you can't, you've got all kinds of restrictions in terms of, you know, not being able to take back more money in trades, not being able to add in cash, not being able to sign anybody on the buyout market. Your draft pick seven years from now, if you're in the super tax a couple of years in a row, um, gets kicked to the end of the round. You're automatically getting the last pick in the draft. Like all kinds of things beyond just you're spending more money. Um, it makes it really difficult. In fact, I'm looking at this super tax, that $179.5 million um, second ceiling, if you will, second um, bracket. I think that's essentially a hard cap. I think teams are going to consider that to be a hard cap. It isn't one in name, but I think it's going to function as one. I think teams are not going to pass it because it's so punitive. So it, it's not just... Uh, the Lakers, they need to just pay the money to add Kyrie or add a third star or whatever. I think the way teams build out rosters is going to change and the three-star model 
probably going to fall by the wayside because it's going to be so difficult to put three max level stars with each other and have any kind of a roster around them. And that's the NBA's whole plan here, right? Break up the talent, break up teams, create parity like we saw in the Western Conference this season where all the way up until the last game, we're, we're seeing major swings in the standings, right? You win a game, suddenly you're the five seed. You lose the game, oh my gosh, we're not even in the play-in anymore. That's what the NBA wants. They want fans to be bought in, to be invested, to be interested all the way deep into March, sometimes into April, and not, well, we're tanking, we're done in December. They want fans engaged, and they're not wrong for wanting that. But that's part of what the goal is with this new cap. It's to force teams to break up the talent, to create more parity. That's what they're looking for. Um, but again, yes, I will start doing the ideal roster builds, all that. Uh, Asa said, hi, Trev. Some may think this is a joke. Um, is it relevant to get Taiwan Howard to get Dwight uh, in free agency this summer for a rotational center? Uh, love from Malaysia. So I like Dwight. I like Dwight a lot. Um, but he's not the Dwight that he was back in 2020. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'd say it's unlikely that he's still a rotation level big. Who knows? Hopefully Dwight proves me wrong. He comes back, gets a look, and he's great. And, and he gets on with an NBA team, hopefully the Lakers, and he does fantastic things. I would love to see that. I'd love to see that. But 2020 was a while ago. There's no guarantee that Dwight is still, still has that, that lift, that ability to be that player at this point. That'd be my concern. Um, Mark. Bobby Portis, Nas Reed. Who's realistic with the Lakers? Nas Reed. Uh, Bobby Portis, I don't see it. He's under contract with the Bucs. He's got multiple years left. I want to say it's three off the top of my head. I don't see why the, he's great. The Bucs love him. Bucks fans love him. I don't see any reason why they're moving him, why they would move him. I, I don't think it's happening. Um, just doesn't make sense. And look, things, things you wouldn't expect to happen happen all the time in the NBA, so you never say never. But I, I don't see a reason why the Bucs would move Bobby Portis. Um, or what the Lakers would give up to get him. Nas Reed, yeah, I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in him, but he would be a uh, mid-level exception target, for sure. He'd be a mid-level exception target, potentially a big you could play either in place of AD when AD's on the bench or next to AD because he has the ability to shoot the three. High motor guy, has had big games against the Lakers in the past. I think he's got to be high up on the list, and I can guarantee you right now, in at least one of my ideal off-season roster builds, Nas Reed will be the target with that mid-level exception because I'm really interested to see what a team would look like with him and AD. Uh, Vinny, thoughts on trading 17 and a player for Turner? Or would you try to get Caruso for Beasley and 17? Uh, Caruso is interesting. Again, he's a top-tier defender. I'm really starting to get enamored with the players at 17, but Caruso, you know, he's one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. Maybe that sways you enough to where you go do it. Um, for Turner, yeah, I'm doing it. If I can get Miles Turner for the 17th pick, I'm doing it. I think the Pacers would be crazy to do it. I mean, he's on a he's on a declining contract. He's making 21 million this next season, 20 million the season after, and that's it. He's under contract for two years. That's it. You still have flexibility. The rumor is that there's some in the Lakers front office that aren't believers in Miles Turner and AD being a good pairing. 
I still like it. I'm still really intrigued by that pairing. If you t- if the Pacers called up the Lakers and said, hey, uh, we'll give you 17 and uh, give us 17 and Bamba and throw in something, uh, another contract for Miles Turner, yes, I would do that. That's the kind of upside move that takes you to another tier, right? Where if who you could get at 17 someday, five years from now, became on par with Miles Turner, we'd be calling that a home run pick. We'd be praising the Lakers for their draft brilliance. So if you can get a guy that's already Miles Turner caliber because he is Miles Turner, yeah, I have no problem with doing that. No problem doing that. I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't think it's going to happen, but if that was available, I would do it. Maddie James, if I'm AD, I'm putting myself in the gym and using all the narratives. He's not the best big man to prove people wrong and come out next season with no mercy. Yeah, I mean, can he just like print up all the co- the quotes from his naysayers and put them on his mirror and then crumple the paper like Rocky uh, does for Ivan Drago and, and all that? Um, yeah, Q 80s style training montage. Yeah, I think that AD, as far as a motivation standpoint, we came into this season this past season saying if we're ever going to see Anthony Davis get back to his old self again, it's going to be now it's going to be this season. That's it. It's going to be this season. He has everything on the line this season. And we did see him hit an incredible level of play. There were games where he was the best player on the floor by far. There were games where he looked like an MVP caliber player. The consistency was the issue, but I don't know if, people questioning Anthony Davis is going to fire him up any more than he was in this last season. I don't know if there was that motivating factor beyond what he already had this last season. Oh, Andy. Uh, We'll do a few more here, guys. This is crazy, but I would try to find a Damian Lillard trade. Austin Reeves is untouchable and Braun and AD, obviously, but everyone else is available. Who's everyone else? Like, what are you trading? I mean, really, like, if Portland... So, we're looking at, okay, LeBron to Dallas, right? And we're saying Dallas doesn't have anything to... If Dallas isn't willing to include Luka, they've got nothing to offer for LeBron, right? If the Lakers aren't willing to include LeBron, AD, or Austin Reeves for Damian Lillard, what are they offering? Like the 17th pick? That's not going to get that done. Even if Portland was was willing to give him to the Lakers, which I don't think they're going to be. And I don't think Portland's ready to end the Damian Lillard experiment. I think their number three pick is going to be moved. I think they're going to trade the pick and they're trying to get going to get win now talent and they're going to try again to build a winner around Lillard. But even if they finally get to the point where they say, you know what, we got to do it. Let's just bite the bullet. Let's trade Dame and we're going to start over. I can't imagine them sending him to the Lakers. And I know Lakers fans, we don't feel any particular animosity towards the Blazers. Right? Haven't since 2000, probably. Right? You go back to the lob, Kobe to Shaq, which the anniversary was just the other day of that, that play. Um, But the Blazers, Blazers fans, oh boy, 
there's some animosity towards the Lakers. And that's just, that comes with the territory. When you've won 17 championships, when you've been that perennial powerhouse, you, you, you make a lot of enemies. It's the way it goes. So the Blazers, I'm pretty sure, would rather trade him anywhere else but the Lakers. It's not happening. The, the Lakers aren't getting Damian Lillard. Mood music. They're bad defenders and there are liabilities. D'Lo is a liability on the defensive end of the court. He has <laughs> he has the lateral quickness of a pensioner. Um, I think D'Lo, in, in terms of being a one-on-one -on -one defender, yes, he can get burned. I saw some good things out of him in terms of his team defense. We sometimes forget that he actually has a really long wingspan. And so he's, you know, six four. I want to say he's got a six eight, six nine wingspan. And so that can actually make him a decent team defender. But you're right. Ultimately, he's not a good defender. We knew that when he came back to the Lakers. We knew everybody knew he's not a good defender. Um, I think he has the ability to be a below average defender and not, as you're saying, a liability. I think he's got the potential to do that. The question is, can you get that out of him with any kind of consistency? Um, I still have some hope, but We'll see. We'll see. It was not pretty against the Nuggets. That's for sure. They really picked on him. Um, Maddie James, shout out to you, Trev, and Lakers Nation for these live streams so people like myself can tune in. Hello from Sydney, Australia. Welcome in from Sydney. Glad to have you on board here. And look, we love talking Lakers basketball. Have a great time doing it. And that's why we continue doing these, especially during the offseason. There's so much to break down, so much to talk about, obviously. So much to talk about. Um, during the offseason with the Lakers, with the NBA in general. And so, yeah, we're going to continue doing this. Again, our schedule, Monday nights, 8 o'clock Pacific time, Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock Pacific time. Fridays, we go 2 o'clock Pacific time for Fun Friday. I also do my AMP shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon Pacific time, and that's where you can actually call into the show and jump on and have, we'll have a conversation. We'll talk some Lakers basketball. Um, you can find that, again, over on the AMP app. Um which is a lot of fun too. And that's again, Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon Pacific time. Uh, Maddie James, did I see Shaq's tweet about the NBA's top 10? I did, but I'll admit, I, I tend to just kind of skip over that stuff. Cause look, there's a ton of great players in the NBA, in NBA history. There's tons of them. And no matter what order you want to put them in, somebody's going to be offended which is kind of the point. That's why they do rankings and stuff like that. It's to get people riled up and for people to say, say, no, you're crazy. That player's not the fourth best player. It should be this player, right? Everybody's going to have their own opinion. There's tons of great players. And no matter what you do, there's no definitive way to prove that you are 100% correct, right? There's just not. There's just not. So I tend to not spend a lot of time worrying about like top 10 ranking. Like they're fun and everything, um, in August, in September, when we don't have a lot of trade free agency stuff going on, sure, I'll get into some top 10 lists and things like that. But other, I think it's just kind of, they're created just to create controversy and drum up conversation. And that's it. So yeah, I don't have like my, my top 10 off the top of my head. I could rattle off some names. I'd probably wind up forgetting somebody, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't tend to pay too much attention to like top 10 lists. Uh, Wavy said, not going to lie, I'd entertain a AD and Braun for Luca 10, Tim and Berton's deal. What do you think? Man, 
I mean, Luca is incredible, and he's only what 24 years old. Plus, you get the 10th pick, which is probably going to be pretty decent. Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Berton's not a great deal there. Uh, I mean, that would completely change the way you're building the roster. But if you're the Lakers, if Luca is on board, that's the big thing, right? Because you're going to have in a couple of years, you're going to have a decision to make. If he's not happy, like the Mavs right now are in a position where in a couple of years, if Luca is not happy, they may have a decision to make there. So does Luca want to come to a Lakers team that doesn't have LeBron and doesn't have AD? That's the big question, right? If the answer is yes, I mean, he's a perennial MVP candidate. LeBron's 39, going to be 39 this December. AD's over 30. You probably do it. You probably do it. I don't think the Mavs are going to do it, but because um, I think they'll hang on to Luca. But just in terms of, hey, you've got another bankable star to build around for the next decade. If you're the Lakers, you know, it, it forces you into building your next iteration maybe a little bit earlier than you were planning to. But uh, Ali said, make Reeves the point guard and trade D'Lo for a two. Depth is better than Kyrie. Uh, yeah, you could. I mean, that's that's the thing is that if you tend to look at Austin Reeves as a one, as your point guard, then who you're putting in the backcourt with him might be different. One of the things I actually like about the D'Lo Austin backcourt is either they're interchangeable. D'Lo can be the one or the two. Austin can be the one or the two. I like that interchangeability, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't run more of a traditional two there. Um, you could run a Kentavious Caldwell Pope is the guy that I always think of, but you could run a Buddy Heald. You could run, you know, more of a, a, a three point shooter, non initiator type player there. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think you could do that. But the question is, what else is happening down your roster? What else is happening with your roster there? Um, okay. Oh, I've only got a few more. Let's get through these. M. Dredd. So Draymond, Luca, Braun, and Kyrie. Let's go. That's not happening. There's no way to make that happen. Uh, Andy. D'Lo, Malik, Mo, Rui. 17 and 2029 first for Dame. So you're signing and trading Rui. You're signing and trading D'Lo. So you're hard capping the Blazers. Beasley, Mo Bamba. I don't think they have any value on their contracts um, except for as expiring deals. So the Blazers are getting a 17th pick, a 2029 first. D'Angelo Russell, Rui. I think they can get better. Honestly, I think if they put them on the market, they can get better than that for, for Damian Lillard. Um, I just don't think that's enough. And then add in the fact that it's the Lakers. If there's any offer that's anywhere close, Portland's going to send him anywhere else. They're not going to give him to the Lakers. That is, what about a DeJounte Murray trade? I mean, do you want to pay what the Hawks just gave up to get him last summer? What was it? Three firsts plus other stuff was involved? Probably not, right? So that's the problem. If you're the Hawks, can you do that? Can you turn, like, if you're going to offer 17 and... Mo Bamba and Beasley and maybe you throw in Max Christie or something like can you really take that if you're the Hawks after you just gave up a ton to get him last summer no I don't think you can that's the challenge that's the challenge so I don't I don't see that happening either Carson is this trade possible Bamba Beasley 17 from Miles Turner along with uh, Jordan Nora Isaiah Jackson 
for contracts to make sense. Thank you for everything. Um, doing the just off the top of my head, sure, I'd have to dig up the Pacers salary and see what Jordan Nora makes. In terms of outgoing salary for the Lakers, you're looking at 16.5 million with Beasley. You got 10.3 with Bomba if you guarantee his full amount, which you don't have to. But so you're looking at, you know, 26, almost 27 million outgoing. Uh, Turner is going to be 21 million this next season. Uh, Nora is 3 million. So 24, sure. I mean, the math works on that. Isaiah Jackson, same thing. That would work. That would work. Um, now, would the Pacers do that? No, I don't think they would. I, I, if I'm the Pacers, I wouldn't do that. But, uh, but the math works. If that's what we're getting at. <laughs> James Bell said Luca will never be a good or solid defender. Shaking my head, no. Yeah, yeah, but he's a talent of the caliber that you will build around him, and you'll do enough to try to uh, mitigate those concerns. Right? He's good enough to do that. But, folks, I had planned on doing this show for about an hour. We had so many questions coming in that we wound up going for about an hour and 10. But I appreciate all of you for joining me. I appreciate all the super chats that came in for this show. Obviously, it's going to be a busy offseason for the Lakers. Like I said, I'm going to get in my um, ideal offseason. That's going to be coming. So keep an eye open for that. That's going to be coming later on this week. Uh, the first one, I'm going to do a few of them. Ideal offseason roster builds, breaking down what this Lakers roster could realistically look like. Um, we'll get into that. Any more crazy news on LeBron and Kyrie we'll talk about. And of course we have our amp show coming up, uh, tomorrow as I'm recording this Tuesday, uh, later on today for most of you listening to the podcast version of it, Tuesday noon Pacific time. I'm going to be over on amp. You can come jump in the show and we'll talk, uh, Lakers basketball. We'll talk through all of this stuff as well. Next live show on the YouTube channel. That's coming up Wednesday, eight o'clock Pacific time. And uh, in between now and then, anything that happens, anything that pops up in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers, you know we're going to cover it right on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. All right, everybody. I am going to go try to get some sleep because I'm running on fumes at this point after getting back from vacation. I need a vacation from my vacation. That's where I'm at. But I do appreciate all of you guys for joining me here tonight. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com